Daily Tap is live for Friday. We have a good show today. We are going to talk about why the perspective of a Packer slash Wisconsin fan should really think about what it would be like to be a Detroit fan and make you, it might make you feel a little bit better about where the Packers are right now and maybe make you appreciate and smell the roses a little bit. We're going to dive in that to that topic. We're going to talk about what the defense could do to make you feel better about them after a putrid week one. And then lastly, we will do some Chuck's Corner on my night at Summerfest and why this podcast is being taped a little bit later because your boy was out on a school night. Um, But yes, that's our show today. Maybe a little bit of Brewers at the very end or before Chuck's Corner, just where we are getting trying to get that clinch. It's harder and harder now with the pesky Cardinals all of a sudden being a factor. Crazy. But let's talk about being a Lions slash Detroit fan. So obviously last week wasn't good. We're not trying to dwell on last week. We're not trying to let last week linger. Although I do think the shows, the Fox and the CBS pregame shows, will talk about the Packers quite a bit because Packers are a national team. They're a national brand. And while last week sucked, I think... Sometimes perspective is needed on that type of stuff and being like, well, at least at least we're not a Lions fan. And like, I'm not trying to be a dick about that, okay? Like, I'm not trying to be an asshole and say, oh, yeah, I'm not a Lions fan. Yeah, right? And the Lions, while a rival, I think Lions fans are annoying who I've dealt with on Twitter where they're very much like, woe is me. Everything is wrong with us. Why do we suck? Like, this is terrible. All this shit. Like, the world's out to get us. The refs are are plotted against us. Sometimes I think the Lions are just a dumb team and then they make dumb mistakes. And so the refs almost anticipate the dumbness of of Detroit. That might be really bad to say, but I don't care. Whatever. It's a Friday, no filter Friday, as as we do as we do here. But the fact is, is like we've had so much success as Packer fans. Like we've had so much success. Like this basically decade like year year lifelong like it's not even like year it's a lifelong thing for so many of us like i'm 33 right and i started remembering the packers probably 95 i get i remember the packers losing the cowboys that year um i i remember that but and that's sort of the start of it right the start of your remembrance of everything 94 maybe a little bit so six seven and since then all i've known is winning like we had a one year where we went four and twelve, and it was three and thirteen, and there were a couple eight and eights in there. But other than that, man, it's been awesome to be a Packer fan, and it's been great recently to be a Brewers fan and a Bucks fan. Like all of those things have been just amazing, and it's never been better to really be a sports fan in Wisconsin across the board, not just a Packers fan. For a while, it was just the Packers. And we talked about that when we were discussing like Wisconsin and Ryan Braun this week, where the Brewers sort of changed that and all of a sudden the Brewers became on, I wouldn't say on par with the Packers, but they were right there. Packers had just won a Super Bowl. So there was a, the Packers were still on that God tier, but the Brewers were in that mix. They were in the conversation. And just same with the Badgers because the Badgers were doing really well. We're not talking about college sports on this topic because we could go all day about Michigan, Michigan State. But the fact is, is like you look at Detroit 
teams, and they they've won championships in our timeline, right? And if we're using my age, the last thirty years, basically, you've had a lot of Red Wing success. They had a dynasty in the nineties. You had the Tigers, who didn't win a World Series, but they've gotten to World Series. They've been a contender for a decent chunk of time, and then you had the Detroit Pistons win two championships. So you've had some success as a Detroit sports fan. But the last few years have been absolutely barren. Basically, it it sums it up like this. They have not won a playoff game, or series, excuse me, since Obama was in office. And you can say, well, that's a weird, like, moniker. But in in a way, like, president terms, I feel like, define how, like, how long it's been, right? Like, they did not win a playoff playoff series in the time Trump was president. They haven't won one since Biden took office. Like that to me is crazy. And if you go through the list, it makes you appreciate what you have in Green Bay, what you have in the state of Wisconsin. And not that fans ever would lose sight of that. It's just, I think sometimes we forget how good we have it. And you look at at the other side of it and you're like, oh man, like this is what they are going through. This is what they have to deal with. Like, how do you how do you even manage? How do you do that on a day to day basis? So, like, let's start with the Lions. The Detroit Lions have not made the playoffs since 2016. So, I guess Trump's presidency, whatever. It's oh no, we were saying win a series. They haven't won a playoff game since 1991. That was 20 no no yeah 20 years ago. No, 30 years ago. Shit. It's been 30 fucking years since the Lions have won a playoff game. That's crazy. That is absolutely preposterous. I can't believe that. Like that, I know we've talked about it, but like think about so many people. Like anyone who's a fan that's like 18 or younger has never seen a Lions playoff win. They are one of the worst franchises in the NFL. And they're not run well either. Like, that's the thing. Like, they're not just hard luck losers. You know, in a way, like the Browns for a while were poor. I mean, if you're if you're this bad, you're usually poorly run. Unfortunately, it's it's correlated, right? It's not like you're like, oh, oh, shucks, we lost again. Like, it's not, that's usually not what happens. You know, Barry Sanders hated their guts for so many years. Calvin Johnson, who just got elected into the Hall of Fame, wants $1.6 million to basically mend fences that he feels like he is owed from this team. So it's absolutely crazy that some of your best people that have played for your team hate your guts. Matt Stafford is a guy I think that most Lions fans are cheering for. Like, I think there's a correlation between Lions fans and Rams fans this year. Like, people in Detroit, and, and that was with Justin Verlander too. And I know Bill Simmons had talked about this with Boston when Boston sort of hit their sort of rock bottom where they threw a parade for Ray Bork who won a title with the Avalanche. And Ray Bork was a Bruins player for those who are unfamiliar. A lot of hockey talk in this one. But Ray Bork was a hockey player, long time for the Bruins, over 20 years, wins a title with the Avalanche, and they throw him a fucking parade. That would be on, on par, same thing if the Lions and Detroit were like, let's give Matt Stafford a parade if the Rams were to win the Super Bowl. 
And Justin Verlander, same thing, right? Like, there's some smoke that they want Justin Verlander to come back. But, like, everybody was happy for Justin Verlander when he was playing for the Astros. So, it, like, that's all Detroit has to look for. And it's, it's so, it would be so tough. It would be so tough to do that year in, year out. And it's not just the Lions anymore, right? The Lions have been a perpetual loser. But they're not the only one. Look at the Tigers who just beat our Brewers in two games. And I I do think the Tigers are going to be good. Like I think next year the Tigers are going to be a good baseball team. I I don't know if they'll win the division. I don't know if they'll get into the wild card. I can see them being similar to what the Mariners are, right? Where the Mariners probably aren't going to make the playoffs, but they're hanging around. And I know Seattle, it's been a long time since they've made the playoffs, but they're hanging around. And like, if you're a Seattle Mariners fan, you have to be encouraged about the future of this team because it, it seems bright, in my opinion. Um, and that they're going to have opportunities to maybe make that push next year. So that's kind of what I think the Tigers will have. But as for Detroit, they haven't made the playoffs since 2014. So it's been a while for Detroit. It's now it's going to be seven years. They have not won a series since 2013. That's tough. They haven't won a World Series since 1984, at which, you know, you say what you want, but like World Series are tough to win. Like to me, I, I say this all the time with the Super Bowl. You guys have heard me in broken record. It's really hard to win a championship. So I'm not going to like shame them for that, but it, that's a drought, man. Seven years is a lot of time. And I, like I said, I think they're moving in the right direction, but it's they've had and they had a lot of losing in those seven years. But I think finally the it's coming to roost. All the draft picks, everything else. Like I, I think like it's finally going to turn the corner for the Tigers. And it, and it seems like they're a fun team. Like I, it seems like they're a team that you'd want to root for, you know, going forward. As for the Pistons, Detroit basketball, they haven't made it out of the first round since 2008. That was the same year, the last time they've had 50-plus wins. They made the playoffs a couple times. You might remember the Pistons played the Bucks in a playoff series where they got absolutely embarrassed for four games. The Pistons have not been a relevant team since 2008 when they had 50-plus wins. That was the last time we really thought about the Detroit Pistons as a successful basketball team. That was 13 years ago. I had just started college when the Pistons were relevant last the last time because since then, they've been kind of a wasteland. They've Yeah, like I said, they've made the playoffs kind of Herb Cole Bucks-esque, if you will. Like, they have a good year here and there, but then they bottomed out last year. They have Cade Cunningham. So, like, the, again, the future is bright, right? The future should be bright for the Pistons. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. They're probably going to be one of the worst teams again. In But they're starting to build finally. They're starting to finally... It's, it's starting to come home and starting to really feel like the Detroit Pistons could be something. So, they, again, another team where it, they they haven't got out of the first round since the first term of Obama. Like, that's crazy. And, and, really, and really jarring, if you will. Actually, that was Bush presidency. So, they, it's two presidencies. That's crazy. Lastly, the Red Wings. We have to mention the Red Wings, even though we're not a hockey podcast. The Red Wings were basically the Packers of... Detroit sports. They were the established. They were the team that everybody looked to. Um, they were so good throughout the 90s with Scotty Bowman, basically having that team, Steve Eiserman, 
few others. Uh, Brandon McCarthy, I think, is a, a guy. Pat Luce will, will fat check me on this. But they, I mean, the Red Wings were the gold standard for hockey for a long, long time. Now they haven't been since since then. And Steve Weiserman took over from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think that's right. Yeah. Don't quote me on this. Like I don't. I'm not a hockey guy, so I'm gonna shut the fuck up and just give you the facts. They haven't made it to the playoffs since 2016. They haven't won. They haven't got out of the first round since 2013. So if you're looking for the last team to make it out of the first round for Detroit sports, it was the Lions and Tigers in 2013. So bringing that back to the state of Wisconsin. No matter what we go through, no matter how how things turn out for the Packers this season, even if it goes to shit and it's a year from hell, and if the Brewers do not you know meet the World Series aspirations, like let's say the Braves knock them out in the first round, which would be a crazy disappointment for how good this Brewers team has been. Let's say the Bucks you know do not amount to a, a repeat; they bow out in the second round. At the end of the day, we are having so much success as Wisconsin sports fans. And to see a team, a neighbor to the East, that struggled so much in the last five to ten years, I think it, it opens your eyes and, and realizes that even when you lose, it's not that bad. But let me tell you, if the Packers do lose to this Lions team, I will freak the fuck out. So it's not its not like a, a pass. Like, we can't do that. But, yeah, it's just a little perspective for you on a, on a Friday. Let's talk a little bit about this defense. The Packer defense has been, uh, you know, under scrutiny uh, for the last week. Joe Barry this is probably the worst case scenario for him. Um, it was not a way to ingratiate yourself with the Green Bay Packers. And facing a team like the Detroit Lions, you should have some ability to really open up your defense and show what your defense is all about. I've advocated this week that Eric Stokes really should be starting for Kevin King and that Kevin King should be on the bench. There's no reason that Kevin King should have a starting spot on this team. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but the sooner Green Bay puts Eric Stokes out there, the better. I know our Bears fan friends are dealing with this with Justin Fields, where the coaching staff won't just put Fields out there. Now, it's a little different quarterback, cornerback, right? But they need to just put Eric Stokes out there, get Eric Stokes to experience. A game like this is perfect. And then, yeah, he's going to take his lumps against San Francisco. He's going to take his lumps against Pittsburgh, who has a talented receiver core, probably one of the best in the NFL. But you got to have Eric Stokes deal with that because Kevin King just can't keep up. The NFL is too fast for Kevin King. That, to me, is the one thing I'm watching for. Will they change anything in the secondary? Shamar Gene Charles was also an inactive last week. I feel like you should be playing Gene Charles to see if he can compete for Chandon Sullivan's job. Chandon Sullivan, while seems like a good dude, I've never really had a problem with Chandon Sullivan. He just... He's not, I don't know if he's an NFL player. I just don't know if he's an NFL slot corner. He might be a special teamer. It, it, it's a lot of like Jared Bush energy, right? Where Jared Bush was an awesome special teams player, but he could not play 
secondary for the life of him. He just he very much struggled at that secondary position. And we made a lot of jokes about Jared Bush in the secondary when when that was going on. So I don't know. Maybe it's time to look at someone else at that slot corner position. I don't think Kevin King can play slot corner. He's too big. I mean, you need a shorter, smaller guy, faster, quick. That's to me why I would just release Kevin King. But I think the Packers will give him time, as Green Bay usually does, with this type of thing. And we'll see, too, if maybe a little more secondary. Vernon Scott, who I think was inactive last week, like maybe he gets an opportunity, or Henry Black, to maybe try some different stuff. You know, Maybe they can be a slot corner option. I know they're safeties, but who knows? Maybe you can do something creative and go three safeties versus having having you know liabilities out there. Because I, I think Sullivan is. Now, the Lions have awful receivers. Um, Terrell Williams might not even play. Uh, Quintus Cephas, the you know, former Badger, he's he's good, but he's not great, right? You know, Amron St. Brown, uh, EQ's brother, he's okay, but again, a rookie. They just don't have a ton at that receiving position. TJ Hawkinson, obviously a factor, but you do have those safeties with Amos and Savage. Like Amos and Savage should be making plays on Hawkinson and not let, letting Hawkinson eat. I know that the Packers had some trouble with tight ends around the red zone, but I, I'm not going to put that on either of those safeties, except for that one play where Amos easily could have jumped and not, maybe not intercepted the ball, but he could have at least altered it enough, and he tried to hit him low. It was a bizarre play by Adrian Amos. As for the front seven, the defensive line has to get better. I think, to me, this is a monumental game for all three of those guys. Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kike. Anyone not named Kenny Clark, to me, their jobs are on the line. If you don't show up in this game, then what the fuck are we doing? They were awful against the Saints. Now, the Saints have a very good offensive line. Lions, not that great. 49ers next week, very good offensive line. So maybe they look great this week, but I think the biggest takeaway, even if the Packers just shit pump the Lions, we're going to be like, well, how serious can we take it? That's going to be the question that we all ask ourselves. So yes, this defensive line needs to play better. Again, like I, I hate to be so reliant on rookies, right? I hate to, and you do have to like have an active. Like that's just part of football. But I would have Jack Heiflin play. Like with how bad the defensive line looked last week, you have to give Jack Heiflin a look. Like if Jack Heiflin ends up playing well and overtakes what Lancaster, again, I didn't understand why Kyle Lancaster made the team even. And he played pretty significant minutes and was terrible in, in the game on last sun, last Sunday. So I think that you have to look at all your options. You have to assess if there are guys who could maybe be future players for this team. And as we know, because of injury, because of guys outperforming others, like what the team looks like in September might not be what the team looks like in December. Like, let's just say Heiflin's a star. And we, we probably laugh when it's cold and shitty outside. And we're like, do you remember when we were talking about Jack Heiflin as an inactive and debating that? Like, who knows, right? That's football. But they need to try some different things. They also need to rush the fucking quarterback. Like, I I don't think they blitzed last last Sunday. Like, I did not see a lot of blitzing from Joe Barry after in the preseason. It seemed like he was sending linebackers pretty frequently. And I was like, all right, this is great, right? Like, we're sending extra guys. 
to me, they did not do a, a ton from the blitzing perspective. To me, they need to start sending a little more pressure, especially for a guy like Jared Goff. Like, this should be Joe Barry's masterpiece. Joe Barry practiced against Jared Goff for two years or a year, whatever. He, However long he's been in the Ram system, he's watched Jared Goff. He knows Jared Goff's tendencies. This should be Joe Barry's Picasso. And if he doesn't do it, if the Lions put up... 20 points, 30 points, whatever, then again, we have a real fucking problem here. And that all the stuff that people worried about Joe Barry and that Joe Barry, oh, he he had a terrible team and that's why he was a bad defensive coordinator. And it's like, no, actually Joe Barry, <laughs> Joe Barry's bad. Um, and and it's contradicts some of the stuff I said last week and where I'm like, you need to wait. But if they give up 30 plus again, like that, that's going to leave you. Sometimes you're just a bad coach, right? Like the, the Titans guy, Todd Downing, who from all accounts is not a good offensive coordinator. And similar, he, the Titans were terrible in week one. Now they play the Seahawks, whose defense might be back. It's all right, like, again, that's a little different than playing the Lions. And so we'll see. Joe Barry, Joe Barry's defense has to show up a little bit. If anything, I'd argue that it's more important that the defense shows up than the offense. Because I think you know the offense at some point is going to click. You know the offense is going to come together. I don't think you know that with the defense. I think the jury is still out. And if you don't have that answer with the defense and you're heading into a stretch against San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati, and look, do not sleep on the Cincinnati Bengals. I just want everybody to be clear. Like, Cincinnati, to me, is a scary team. Like, I, I don't know if they're well coached. I think Zach Taylor is a bad coach. And when it's a head-to-head matchup, I kind of like LaFleur over Taylor from a coaching perspective. But the Bengals are going to fight. Joe Burrow, man, I love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is one of my favorite quarterbacks. And to see him ball out last week against Minnesota, I think he's going to ball out against the Bears this weekend. Like, that's just awesome. And I'm, I'm really happy for him. He's in, my, he's, in my upper, he's in my upper tier. And that's maybe a conversation for another Chuck's Corner as we're going to transition to Chuck's Corner. I'll talk a little Brewers first. But I, I do think, like, what do you do with guys you like now as, like, 33? Like when I was a kid, like if I was 17, 18, even younger, maybe 12, 11, I would have got a Josh Allen jersey or I would have got a Joe Burrow jersey. Uh, but now it's like, what do I do? Do I get like memorabilia? Do I get like a, a awesome like trading card of either of them, which probably go for way too much right now? Maybe that's it. Like I think it's because I have a small office that is really where house some memorab- I house some memorabilia. It's not necessarily a man cave if you will which i know is a not pc word these days but yeah i don't really have that space where i could hang shit and like i don't know i just like i like those guys but what how do you show that you like those guys i don't know maybe you don't maybe it's just yeah i I like him a lot but that's it that's that's the end of it right who knows all right before we do chuck's corner really quickly the brewers i man I hope that they can clinch this weekend. I, I think it'd be sweet to clinch against the Cubs. We'll have to see, though. Car- Cardinals are red hot. They're preventing the Brewers from 
you know, putting that clinch on, the Brewers have 89 wins. Uh, 96, I think, is the record, which was set in 2018. They they have a shot. They have a real shot at potentially getting to that 96. Uh, the Cardinals are still 12 and a half games back. They are far back. The Cincinnati Reds finally won a game. Congratulations to them. They didn't piss down their leg um, against the Pittsburgh Pirates for the first time all week. I'm proud of them. Proud that the Reds could do that. New big Padres Cardinals series this weekend in St. Louis, where St. Louis could really sort of pull away in that second wild card spot as they lead it right now from both the Reds and the Padres. The Cardinals are a half game up on the Padres. The Reds are one back. The Cardinal or the Dodgers are 17 games up on the St. Louis Cardinals, which is absolutely preposterous. Again, another preposterous. That's the second preposterous we've we've brought here. So the Brewers have 89 wins. So where could they go from like a high, high watermark? If we're being realistic, okay? We're, we're going to be realistic on this. So let's just say maybe, so they have, let's see, they have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 games left. So if they won out, which they won't do, but if they won out, they would win 105 games. But that probably won't happen. Um, let's just say they clinch Monday, okay? And they win, they win, they sweep the series against Chicago. That would put them at 92. Stay take two out of like two and two against the Cardinals who are going to be probably hungry 94 Mets Mets we always seem to beat the Mets up at Miller Park the Mets have had some bad memories there we'll give two wins 96 then you're at your high watermark then they pump the brakes they're just kind of easing their way in maybe win a game against LA maybe win a game against St. Louis I think 98 it'd be awesome to get to 100 I just love big round numbers I would love for them to get to 100 but that would mean 11 and 5 down the stretch with resting most of their guys it's probably unrealistic probably not going to happen but I think they deserve to like beat that 2018 record because they're they're better than that 2018 team they they are special and it's going to be a really exciting October, and I cannot wait for it. So it's, it, it takes some time. Old friend Zach Davies on the mound tonight uh, with Adrian Hauser as he tries to make his case to be the fourth pitcher in that rotation for October. Corbin Burns tomorrow, if you're going to the game, that's always fun to watch Corbin Burns. And then on Sunday, you have Eric Lauer uh, on the mound. And the Cubs and Davies tonight, as mentioned, Justin Steele, um, not related to Crystal, um, and, Adrian P and Adrian Sampson. I almost said Adrian Peterson. Adrian Sampson. Sampson! Uh, anyways, let's do a little Chuck's Corner before I go. Um, so I went to Summerfest yesterday. Um, it was all right. Um, it was pretty full actually uh ludicrous and diplo had a pretty good crowd um i went to both uh shout out to murph who i went with and a couple other people it was interesting like i had texted murph during the day and i was like hey are we like going to be watching from the bar like the bar area or are we going to actually like get into the mix because i'm too old to get into the mix 
So I ended up, we were at the bleachers watching Diplo standing on it. You know, you had drunk kids just flying off trying to jump on these bleachers like some dumbasses. I'm like, you can't really jump on these bleachers. It's just not possible. Like, you, you're going to fall. Like, it's just part of it. Like, you're going to fucking fall if you're jumping up and down on these bleachers. So I'm like, what are you doing, right? Like you had kids bumping into each other, whatever. I'd, I'd said to the group, I was like, what do you think the ratio here of kids who have class who aren't going to go versus people who have work tomorrow? And I think we set it at 80-20. That, so, but the thing is, is like you're not too old to hang out as long as you're with people like i think it'd be very weird to go by yourself or even go with one person i mean i feel like when you're just with one person like i'm i think i'm gonna go back with my wife tonight i i feel like it would be weird for her and i to like go into the mix right but when you're with a group of people i don't think it's that weird i think at some point you're like i don't really want to stand up here like at some point we got tired of standing i i don't know i can't confirm that but the people who i was with decided they didn't want to watch diplo anymore which is fine like whatever and diplo i i can't give you a good review it was fun he brought brought the noise brought some energy um no no diplo song that i knew um it was kind of just mixes of different things so it wasn't one of his bangers i'm sure he saved that for later on in the show but we we bounced out of there probably first 30 minutes or so i'd say and then we were able we were fortunate enough a friend of the program murph knew somebody at miller we were able to hang out in the vip and watch ludicrous which luda i've seen luda i had a whole story i think i told that story on this podcast before about how he was a complete asshole uh for a meet and greet that we did when i was working at the radio station working for v100 and he basically was late with fans he didn't take off his sunglasses to take pictures didn't really greet anybody didn't say like hey how you doing like when you do those meet and greets um, they usually are pretty friendly the artists they ask like how are you doing some ask what's your name um how you know what's going on like they're usually pretty personable like i can remember before he was really popular cole swindell uh visited us on like a saturday morning and cole swindell would be like hey what's your name like uh charlie charlie how you doing like i i still kind of remember that i remember one time juicy j coming completely stoned but again he was pretty good dude like and juicy j like i feel like being stoned is a lifestyle at this for juicy j but anyways, Luda was a complete dick. And it was before his Summerfest show, gosh, that's now eight years ago, whatever. It was a long time ago. And and then he performed, and I was just like, ah, this guy kind of just mailing it in. And that was what and that's what the review, I believe, said that night. And Luda went on at 10.15. Okay. He went on at 10.15. He then played till about eleven. His DJ, like he had an intermission at at 45 and his dj probably played for i don't know uh shit probably 10 minutes played a few songs right getting the crowd hype keeping it keeping the energy luda came back out he finished at 11 30 like he was done he's like all right see ya cash that check get back on the private plane hour and 15 minute show sweet really cool stuff from ludicrous and i just i like the, the thing about Luda is you know every one of his songs. That's the that's the incredible thing. Like, the guy has hit after hit. Like, you listen to his music and you're like, holy shit. Like, I know every one of the, these songs. But he only plays, like, uh, two minutes of each. Like, he's like, 
all right, we're just going to play the hits. We're going to go through it, but we're not going to actually play a full song. So it makes you appreciate other artists who understandably have hits, but sometimes they get left off, right? Like, I don't, I didn't see them at Summerfest last week. I kind of regret not going because I think I was around last Friday. But like OAR would have been awesome to see um, because I, I haven't seen OAR in a long time and I kind of just nostalgically wanted to watch them. And I, again, haven't listened to their music in a while. Like I'm, I'm, I'm more of a podcast guy these days. Like Run the Jewels is playing tonight and I'm going to probably go again tonight and just walk around and kind of do like the concert sampling that my wife and I did a few years ago, which we really liked where we just sort of go to each individual stage and say, and watch somebody for, I don't know, 10 minutes, a couple songs. And then we walk to the next stage and we go to the next stage. And, and that's kind of how we, how we operate. And Run the Jewels used to be one of my favorite rap groups. I remember being so mad when they were in Madison and then I decided not to go. One of my bigger regrets in life, and we can talk about this at another time, um, is just the my inability sometimes to just say, fuck it and go do something. Like, and because I'll think about, oh, that costs money, or I got to worry about how I can, you know, sleep, or do I, you know, drive back? Like, I could have easily went to go see Run the Jewels in Madison with somebody, found somebody who would like to see them, and then would have, and then could have drove back, you know, that night, right? But of course, I, you know, didn't do that shit. And so it would be cool to just say, oh, yeah, I saw Run the Jewels for a little bit. You know, not like actually stayed for the full concert because that's not my wife's cup of tea from a music perspective. But I'm also like, I, like, I haven't listened to any of their new shit. I think I did listen to their new album a little bit. I went for a run. I can remember that. They had some music come out during the pandemic. And I remember going for a run and playing it. So I have listened to a little bit of their new stuff, but not a ton. So we'll see. Maybe I'll make it out there. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to. Do one more ride to Summerfest. It's definitely different. They make you stand in line for beer. You can't pay with cash, which sucks for all these vendors. Like they're asking for cash tips, but you can't pay with cash. The whole reason you give cash tips is because you pay with cash. You pay a 20 and you get a couple back and then you're able to just tip them, tip them handsomely, right? And you're able to throw some in the jar. Thank them for the effort. You can't fucking do that anymore. And I understand it's COVID, whatever, but like cash is king, man. That's that to me is a miss. And like it's also a miss to like have beer lines versus like letting everybody sort of stand around the around the booth. Like again, that all that does is create space, create time. And I understand some of this might be COVID related and they couldn't hire, it's hard to hire people right now. But I do wonder if some of that is hurting them. It, it wasn't as good of an experience from like a beer perspective. I didn't do any food, but from a beer perspective as, as it has been in the past, just because there was just a lot of hoops to jump through versus just your normal normal Summerfest day. But it was a good time nonetheless. It was awesome to hang out in the Miller VIP section. They were, that was a cool, cool, cool part of great view of the stage. They have something awesome at the Oasis. That rebuild was really well done. But that should do it for our show. Um, we'll be back on Monday. We'll do Should I Bet My Team, talk about the betting angles for Packers-Lions. We'll probably recap uh, the gambling weekend uh, for both the NFL and college. And, yeah, talk about the Brewers if they clinched as well. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great Friday. We'll see you on Monday. Take care. Bye.